Welcome, everybody. Uh, this is Jets, Mets, and Regrets. Uh, I am Johnny, uh, and filling in for Jason this week, uh, we have Steve. Steve is a, uh, he's been on the show before, he's called in a few times. Uh, so we're happy to have Steven on here. Uh, Steven, say hello. Hey, everyone. Uh, glad to be back. Uh, got a lot of regrets, so I'm ready to get down to it. Yeah, I was I was going to say that. I was going to lead with, you know, we might have a little bit of Jets, a little bit of Mets, but we're mainly dealing with regrets today. Uh, you know, it's it's been nothing but bad things happening to us for the last couple of weeks. Uh, last week, we weren't really able to to get an episode out to you guys, so we want to talk about a little bit of uh, what the what the Jets have have unfortunately failed to do, which is you know win their last two games that they needed to do. Uh, they they needed to stay alive, but they they couldn't do it. They lost to the Seahawks, and you know eventually just everything kind of collapsed at the end of the season. They didn't have a good quarterback. You know they didn't have quarterback play. Uh, Mike White was definitely still hurting from his rib injury. Uh, they just didn't get the offensive you know production that they needed. And how much of that relies on the the quarterback how much of that relies on the play calling and you know we have a little bit of news about that today as well so Stephen I wanted to kind of get your thoughts about the end of the season what happened uh take me through it I think yeah well well first of all um you know I'm glad to be back um got a lot of Mets checks and regrets to off my chest but yeah no talk about a, a a lackadaisical lackluster two weeks that the Jets had from this past week with Miami and at that point that was just a crapshoot it's just like put out like put out like uh cow pies and see if they can if they can throw the ball or what have you but yeah no the real disappointment was you know the hype of Mike White coming back and playing against Seattle and just getting eviscerated I mean that that game really showed you that the Jets came out flat and it seemed to me that they didn't even want to be there they didn't they, they had no desire no energy whatsoever low energy if you if you if, if i think about it is just there was no win there was no fight in that team um you know obviously it's different when you're behind closed doors and you're saying like we're going to win this game no matter what but they came out and they did not look prepared and they looked lost needless to say i think the yeah. big team was was lost and i and i think that you know the team we've seen this season when mike white did come in uh and he had that he had that great game against the bears uh, and then he even had a great game against the Vikings too, which you know the Jets unfortunately lost. Uh, it didn't really seem like the Jets had that oomph uh, in in the last couple games that that he played. So you know you you have to think again. I, I said it. I think that he was still injured. He was he was not making the easy look easy like you know Rob Sala uh, commended him for in those few few games that he did look good. Uh, and it, it just it just wasn't clicking for the offense at all. He, he was missing those checkdowns that he usually makes. He was missing those throws over the middle, which he usually makes. Uh, you know, what do you like? How do you feel about that? I mean, I think Mike White definitely was injured. I think I think, you know, the play calling wasn't there, but something something was missing from him. Well, the fact that he did, in fact, have five broken ribs lends a hand <laughs> to it. Um, I think there was a report that I read that at one point, one of the doctors was like, oh, one of these broken ribs is an old injury. So the fact that he had a broken rib and he had no idea about it um, says a lot. He had a lot of fight. I'm going to give him so much credit. Um, I might be one of the, the major, one of the majority that says that he is not the full-time answer at, as the starting quarterback for the New York Jets going into 2023, but I think he deserves a right to be on that roster. I think he's done a ton of stuff 
Um, he has shown potential and he shows that he's competent and he can run the plays and he knows his checkdowns and all that stuff. I still think this team is a quarterback away. I don't know about you, but I think this team is literally a quarterback away and maybe a, an offensive line pick. Um, I know we've seen Becton looks good and he's ready to come back, but I want to hear what you think about that offensive line. That's probably outside of quarterback is the biggest question mark for offense. Yeah, of course. I mean, again, like, well, I'll, you know, the, the offensive line, I mean, if Becton is healthy, we saw how dominant he could be pushing guys around and obviously AVT as well. You know, he was out for most of the season too. I mean, you get two bona fide offensive linemen back on the line. You fill those positions in. I mean, you got a brand new, you got a brand new pass. Uh, um, you got a brand new uh, rush offense. Um, you know, you're going to be able to establish the run a lot more. Uh, pass blocking is going to be a lot better, which is going to give your quarterback a lot more time to make decisions and let receivers get open. Uh, so obviously getting those guys, you know, I, I say it all the time. I think that every single uh, pick in the draft should be an offensive lineman because, you know, you don't you really don't have a team uh, unless you have a good offense and defensive line. Uh, I mean, John Madden used to say all the time, if you don't have 11 players on the team, you're not playing football. And half of those guys are linemen. I mean, that's, you know, obviously the quarterback rules football and you know, we'll get into that very shortly uh, in terms of the Jets and, and where they need to be. But I just don't think that uh, the offensive line is there yet. I mean, there there are good shining moments that they've had over the season. And I think that's why they were able to to win the seven games that they did. But it's it's just unfortunate that the guys couldn't stay couldn't stay on the field and, uh, you know, couldn't give the guy couldn't give the guys on offense or or the or the running backs their their open daylights that they needed. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think if we were able to see a, an offensive line that A stayed healthy, you had your starters there with Beckton, Dwayne Brown, and Fant and AVT. And, you know, I'm, I'm really surprised and disappointed in Lincoln Tomlinson. You know, he was touted as this really interesting offensive lineman. I know, I think in the last, like this past offseason in 2022, we wanted Brandon Scherf, who's now on the Jaguars. I know that they really, really wanted Brandon Scherf. But, you know, Lakin Tomlinson, I don't know if they're going to cut him or not, but if they're not, he needs to really step up his game. He needs to be, you know, a dominating force. But, no, the, the offensive line, um, I think I agree with you. Um, QB is king. But I think offensive line are the true unsung heroes of any football team, both offensive line and defensive line. Those are the guys that are literally in the trenches and making sure that the quarterback can do their job as well as the running back. And I know that we lost Brees Hall, but, you know, the one thing that I was really disappointed in, too, was the lack of use from James Robinson. I know that we had discussed that it had something to do with picks, I believe, that, you know, it was we traded him for a fifth rounder and it would have been a fourth rounder or a sixth rounder to a fifth rounder, one or the other. It doesn't matter. At that point, I wouldn't have cared. It's a fifth or sixth round pick. You know, picks are, picks are you know, diamonds in the rough are very hard to find. I think it's it's important to use the players that can bring you to – that can lead you to success. And if James, Rob James Robinson was going to be able to do that, kind of be that Brees Hall replacement, we saw that in Donovan Knight. But I think if we were able to see more um, James Robinson, I would have liked to see that. But yeah, no, I think offensively, we're, we're one, you need, you need at least three decent offensive linemen being the tackles and the center. You know, you can do what you can with those guards. But if you have three solid linemen, no matter where they are, you're set and you have a good running back, and you have a competent quarterback who knows how to get the ball out of their hands, you're going to see a lot of success. And I think the Jets need to move forward with 
a quarterback who knows how to get the ball out of their hands. And, you know, I'm not looking, I personally am not looking for the spectacular plays. I'm looking for the smart plays. So that being said, I want to know who you think we should get for quarterback or who they should start looking for, whether that's through trades or, you know, dare I say, and I really hate saying this in the draft. Yeah. I mean, again, the jets have tried and tried and tried in the draft. And I just, at this point, I don't have any faith in Joe Douglas in terms of getting a, qu- a quarterback in the draft, despite the fact that he's been able to draft fairly well uh, everywhere else around the quarterback position. Uh, and his free agents, the ones that he signed, maybe those are a little suspect. They really haven't planned out. But uh, as far as the quarterbacks go, I mean, if you look at the teams that are in the playoffs right now uh, and the quarterbacks that they have, I think if you take any of those quarterbacks all the way from, you know, the dynamic Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes all the way down to even Geno Smith or Daniel Jones, who, you know, these guys, if you put any of these guys on the Jets, I think the Jets are a playoff team. I don't think there's any question about it. So, I, again, I think if you just really bring that lower echelon quarterback tier that the Jets are at, even to average, um, I would like to see them go after Derek Carr. I would like to see them go after Jimmy G. Somebody in free agency who you know can get, like, you know, they can throw 20 touchdowns a year and, and 10 picks. You know, at least some – I mean, Zach Wilson led the team this year with six touchdown passes. That's unacceptable, man. I mean, they they didn't have an offensive touchdown for the last two games, I think, right? I mean, it was, it was what, 33 drives in a row or something like that that they didn't yeah. score a touchdown? It's a joke, right? So I, I don't think that – again, I'm not a huge guru when it comes to college football. I don't watch too much college football. I don't know all the best quarterbacks who are coming out, but – I mean, when you pick up a quarterback, how often is it that he comes out immediately and he's he's lighting it up? So the Jets have an interesting window right now where the defense is really stellar. And I don't think you want to draft a quarterback and have to wait another three, four, maybe five years before he really starts hitting his stride. I mean, you look at Josh Allen, right? I mean, he's one, arguably the best quarterback in the league. He's Definitely top three uh, between him, Mahomes, and Burrow at right now. So, I mean, we'll see uh, if, uh, you know, the Jets can maybe eventually get somebody like that. But even Josh Allen took took this amount of time. You know, he was drafted, what, 2018? And it's been five years now. So uh, last year was really his breakout year where you could say that he was an elite guy. And that's I just don't think that's what the Jets have in terms of their timeline with the personnel that they have. Uh, who's running the team. I think that they really need to figure out the quarterback position. They need to make the playoffs. It's been 12 years at this point. Uh, you know, let's let, I don't care. I don't care about the future right now. If you have to trade away draft picks to make the playoffs, I just want to see some success. I want to see the organization try, please just try. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. I think it starts with the, the, um, it starts with the idea that, you know, we're in win now. Joe Douglas's seat and solid seat are very hot right now. And I think, you know, Jason is usually the one who likes to say this, but like, you know, you give a quarterback three years to see if he pans out. Um, you know, we, we, I think as a, as an organization, we've lost our patience. We've, we've been through, you know, let me see Mark Sanchez, Geno Smith, uh, Geno Smith was 2014, 2015 was Ryan Fitzpatrick. 2016 was Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh McCowan, Bryce Petty, all of these names, there's no consistency. The last quarterback to start a full season for the New York Jets was Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2015, which was a very good year up until that last game. 
I'm with you 100%. Right, but again, like a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's a guy who was an established quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe he wasn't the best guy, but you knew that he had some magic in him, and he knew that he could he could sling the ball, right? So I don't see why the Jets are always constantly trying to, you know, play roulette and try and try and win, uh, you know, at the table with, with these jackpots in the draft, just go and get somebody that, you know, can actually throw the ball. They can actually check down. They can actually manage the game. They can actually move the ball. They can actually score some points on offense because the defense is going to keep them in the game. How many games did the jets get blown out by this year? I think a total of like two or three, maybe three of three of 18 or seven defense kept them in the game. All get them every game this year. And, most of the games were one score games. I mean, you talk about the Lions game, you talk about the Jaguars game, all these, you know, all these teams they it was up until the fourth quarter when when uh, games started to fall apart. So again, you you really just need to get somebody who can actually just take the reins and not throw the game away. Yeah, no, I think I think you need to get an established guy. And my short list for those quarterbacks are Number one, Lamar Jackson. That's like the big. That's the big get, obviously. Yeah, Number but two, don't you think that the Ravens are going to franchise him? I don't see him leaving. Baltimore. He will not. He will not sign. I, it seems to me that he will not sign a franchise. And the fact that he's probably not going to play this weekend shows that you know they're they're going to move on. To me, anyway. To me, I'm again like I'm not a genius. I'm not. A, I don't have a crystal ball. But my thought process is if he's not going to play, and it seems like he's ready. You know, wouldn't you think your franchise quarterback is going to play in the playoffs? Like that's a that's a bit of a, a kind of a yeah. Guys, guys would not miss that opportunity given the given no. the chance. Absolutely. No, I think you know the the number one is Lamar Jackson. I think Joe Douglas knows that his job is on the line, and so does Salah. And I think they're working to see what they can do to acquire him. That's my number one. Number two, I think I think the three quarterbacks that I that I'm looking at will need to be traded. Number two is Derek Carr. Derek Carr, for a fact, will need to be traded unless unless the Raiders release him. And I believe he's due like $40 million or something, which is insane for the year. So let's see if they can figure something out where the Raiders can tack on most of that, most of that contract um, and we can take some of the money off of their case. But the Raiders are poor. The Raiders are like dirt poor. So they have no money that they'd be able to take on. Yeah, it's that, why they that, can't get rid of McDaniels. I'm sure exactly. they'd love to fire him, but they can't because mm-hmm. they're broke. <laughs> God, what a, what an awful like situation that the Raiders have dug themselves into. But that's a, that's a conversation for another time. But I think my, my list is, again, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, and Jimmy G. My, I'm a little iffy. There's, a nice, there's an asterisk next to Jimmy G because of how fragile he is. He is a good quarterback when he is healthy. My question to you is do you trust him enough that he will remain healthy and be a consistent winner for for an organization like the New York Jets? Yeah, listen, man. I mean, come on. The, the you you have to assume that the guy that you get is going to stay on the field. I mean, look at Lamar Jackson. He's your number one. He's been injury ridden uh, for the last two years as well. Um, and the thing with the thing with uh, Lamar Jackson, Stephen, is, and I'll segue. This is a good segue into uh, today's news. Um, if you get a guy like Lamar Jackson, you have to cater your offensive schemes 
to his style of play. I mean, he is an RPO, uh, run pass option, you know, uh, run first kind of thinker, uh, moves around the pocket. See when he sees daylight, he goes for it. Um, so with that in mind, if you really do want to go for Lamar Jackson, you have to think about who your head coach or sorry, your offensive coordinator is going to be. Right. And as we got the news today, Michael floor out. Right. So, I mean, what's your, what's your ideas on that? Where, uh, uh, the Jets go for offensive coordinator. So I I think you know, and I'll let let the audience know too, I was very okay with Michael Floor when we were winning. Let's be clear, when we were winning. When we were losing, you could see that Zach Wilson did not have a good command. Well, first of all, Zach Wilson is, I'm sure he's a great guy, but he is not a good quarterback. Great guy. Not, great Such guy. a great guy, yeah. Not Love a good quarterback. A yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not a good quarterback. But I think too is, you know, LaFleur is taking a bit more of a fall than Zach Wilson because LaFleur is not the one out on the field. He's the one drawing up the schemes, but I don't know if the schemes were good enough. Um, and Wilson just doesn't do himself any favors. Um, I, know if, I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you saw, but, you know, he said something where, you know, what, what are you going to do if they bring in a veteran quarterback? I want to make his life miserable. It's like, yeah, okay, like if I'm a veteran quarterback and I'm coming in and I'm proven, I'd be like, you don't scare me, but like, yeah, how's good he going like, to make him? How's he going to make him miserable? Not by playing football. <laughs> no, exactly. Some exactly. other way. Maybe Some other way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's an option, but no, like going back to what you said, I think the person that's calling the shots on the offense needs to be someone, like you said, that tailors to that quarterback's needs or specific player. I mean, in this case, it would be the quarterback. So I have a short list of, of names. I have five names. Four ones that I think are really good and a dark horse. So my top, my, my number one is Frank Reich. I will die on this hill saying that the only reason that the 2017-2018 Philadelphia Eagles won that Super Bowl was because of Frank Reich. I think mm-hmm. Frank Reich is a very good offensive coordinator. He had the potential to be a very good coach in Indy when he had Andrew Luck. And then he just, you know, jumped ship. Um, I think Frank Reich is awesome i think he's great i think he's got he's got what it takes to be it he's proven he's done it he's won a super bowl he has had talent like um you know at the time when he was good carson wentz he had nick fall during that unbelievable period and he also had philip rivers and andrew luck so he's had decent quarterbacks you know all these guys are decent compared to who's been on the jets over the last three or four years number two is um and i want to and i'm giving jason credit for this because he's the one who kind of turned me on to this was Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak's been out of the league for a little bit. He's also a, a kind of a, a risk because of his health. You know, he's an old guy. He's got some heart problems, I believe. But right. he's proven. He's won as a coordinator. He's won as a quarterback coach with the Niners back in the 90s. He's won as a coordinator with Denver back in the 90s. And he won as a head coach with Denver in 2015. Also, that defense was pretty stout, and that was a really bad Peyton Manning. But he mm-hmm. still eked out 12 wins that season and won the Super Bowl. He, yeah. beat, he beat the 15-1 and one Carolina Panthers, which is insane. Um, so that's number two. Number three, and I'm going to probably get a lot of grief for this um, from a lot of people and a lot of our audience, but Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett was a good offensive coordinator, and he is familiar with Salah because they were together when he was in Jacksonville. 
So that's a little bit of like a... You know how I feel about Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, we know that his father was the offensive coordinator under the Herm administration for the Jets. So I don't know. I mean, he wasn't terrible, but, you know, I don't know. I just, I thought that Herman Edwards was a good coach. And I thought that the the roster back then, you know, with with Chad Pennington, he was probably one of the best quarterbacks we've had in our lifetime as Jets fans. So, but I, I just... I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, he he was just very bad uh, in Denver this year. That's my that's I, my personal opinion. That's, so, you but, know. But, but that's as a head coach. That's as a head coach. As an offensive True. coordinator, he was really good. He was the offensive coordinator. Now, that granted, you know, Rodgers is above and beyond one of the best quarterbacks ever. Ro- he was the offensive coordinator for two years with Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, there's, you know, some speculation maybe that the Jets are going to try and pivot towards Aaron Rodgers. I personally don't think they should. I think they right. should look for someone a little younger like Carr or Jimmy G. So that's number three. Number four is Billy O.B., Bill O'Brien, who's currently with Alabama. I mm-hmm. think there's potential for him to come to New York. However, I'm speculating that he'll likely, you know, not be not be dissuaded by uh, by B.B., Bill Belichick. Um I think he'll likely go to New England, but I want I would still keep Bill O'Brien on my list. And my last and final candidate, and he's my dark horse, is the recently fired Cliff Kingsbury. I okay, that's he- interesting because I don't know if he would really want to take a coordinator position after taking a head coach job for so long. And he did have decent success with the Cardinals. I mean, you know, you I guess that's out. You know, the jury's still out on that. You could say what you want. The Cardinals in, are an organization that seems to always shoot themselves in the foot. But uh, I, I agree with you in terms of his offensive capabilities. He is a great offensive mind. I think Cliff Kingsbury falls under that whole, like, you know, Sean McVay, we want the, the next best thing, but we already know what he is. We know what he's capable of. We've seen how off, how well he does offensively. Remember, this is a guy who at one point had Baker Mayfield as his quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, and then he had Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray was on the up and up, you know, unfortunately, with an ACL tear this year. He was somebody who had potential to be a stud again this year. Granted, you know, Cardinals kind of fell off. Um, but those are my five guys. I think... For me personally, I would love Frank Reich. And I think you pair Frank Reich with someone like a Carr or a Jimmy G. And then I'll give you one, I'll give you one more. <laughs> I, think, I think Greg Roman, and then you understand why I'm saying Greg Roman, current offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. And that's yeah. where I'm going to leave it. Okay, that's fine. Uh, all right, that's good. I mean, you know, the Jets clearly have a lot of things to do. Um, where are they sitting right now in the draft? What are they about? 11? They're 13. They're 13. Thir- uh, yes, they're 13. Okay. So, you know, you can get a really decent player, whether you want to go for a skills player, whether you want to go for, uh, I don't know, pack the defense some more. And you think that you can pack the offense on, 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 in free agency. But again, you know, Joe Douglas, we'll see, uh, how he does in free agency this off season. It wasn't so great this past year, uh, except for the DJ Reed pickup. I mean, we'll see, you know, um, I, the jets are, we're always looking forward to, to the draft at this time of year. Unfortunately, um, it, it, it doesn't, you know, like I said, 12 years without a playoff 
playoff appearance and and we're really longing for it um but on that on that note i do want to you know we're cutting a little bit of time i did want to leave a little bit of time uh for some mets news uh you know we we got the news what was it yesterday yesterday when uh we saw that carlos correa did officially sign uh with the twins the deals for six years 200 million dollars i think that the mets offered him six years about 170 something around that no, worse, 157. 157, right. So, you know, I guess the, just the verbiage, not wanting to pay him should something happen to that to that ankle. I mean, I, what, what's your take on, on the whole Correa situation? I know it was constantly up and down. You were a little more, uh, you know, crazy about it than I was. Uh, I, I seem to have a level head about it. I really thought that he was going to sign with the Mets. I mean, I said it on this, on this podcast a couple weeks ago. I didn't think that there was any doubt that he was going to be on the Mets. But, you know, what's your take on the Twins coming in and sweeping him up? Well, you know, I was I was constantly looking at it. I was constantly on Twitter and letting you and Jason know, like, here's what I heard, here's what I heard, and you were kind of the same thing. You're like, nothing, nothing's changed. It's just different words, but nothing's changed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was I, immediate knee jerk reaction. I was devastated, but it, to me, it's still not it's still not as devastating as as Degrom leaving. But I think we've all gotten over that since since uh, we signed so many people because. Uh, Uncle Steve just basically rage signed everybody. Yeah. Um, but that being said, um, you know, it is, it is kind of um, upsetting that, that uh, Correa left, but you know what? I'm not going to be someone that's like, I hope he freaking breaks his ankle. That's, that's just awful to think about, but I, you know, good luck. Good luck to you. I hope your ankle stays intact and I hope nothing, nothing bad comes of it. And I'm hope you're, I hope you're able to perform. I'm just also grateful that he's not in the national league, you know, Absolutely. In the American I'm, League, on the Twins, we'll never we'll see him one series a year or, or two, yeah. whatever the rules are now. Um, mm-hmm. The thing with Correa, again, I really wanted him. I thought that, you know, if you look at his numbers, you're essentially just adding another Francisco Lindor to your roster. Uh, in terms of defensive play, which is probably even better than Lindor, if you asked me if he were on the Mets, I probably would put him at short. That's just me and put Lindor at third. But, that's you know, we're talking about hypotheticals now at this point and, and spilled milk. So, uh, the, But the thing with Correa, you know, he's, we could have put him at third base. But now with him gone, I mean – we don't necessarily need to get anybody else. I always thought that if we weren't going to get Correa, we'd go after Devers. Unfortunately, he signed that long-term deal uh, with Boston. Good for him. He got paid. I'm happy for him. Um, but right now, you know, the Mets got two guys who got called up last year. Uh, we got to see a little bit of them, uh, and they're both third basemen uh, from, you know, their original trade. That's that's what they play uh, in, in Vientos and Beatty. Uh, we know that these guys have power. We know that they're comfortable at the position. Let's see what they can do over, uh, you know, maybe not 162 game uh, for each of them. But if they if they play like, say, 80 games at that position, uh, see if see if we can get something out of them. And if not, we still got Eddie Esco, Eddie Escobar, uh, who I think all Mets fans really fell in love with. Uh, and that September month that he had was just absolutely electric. I think he really, uh, you know, put his stamp on on City Field and and in the hearts of Mets fans. So I thought that you know he was great. So even though we did lose Correa, I really don't feel like the Mets took a huge step back by not being able to sign him. And God forbid, you know, something happens with our, the third baseman. Uh, if none of them work out 
can always trade for somebody at the deadline if you really wanted to, or in a, in a couple of years, just sign somebody else. I mean, with, with the way that Steve Cohen has been showing, he's not too concerned uh, with money at this point. He just wants to put on the best, best team on the field. Yeah, I, I'm with you completely. I think it's time to pivot now to Beatty, Vientos, and Escobar. I think Escobar is going to be, you know, I think Escobar is going to be the opening day third baseman, and rightfully so. He's proven it. He's a fan favorite. I love previous him, and I've always yep. previous All Star. I've loved him. So I think you know if he's able to work with Beatty and Vientos, and just you know let him, and you know he's aware that you know his his time as a third base as an everyday third baseman is kind of. I don't want to say coming to an end, but he still has that he still has that oomph and that like, you know, opportunity to really be that that third baseman, which I thought, you know, again, I was under the impression that, you know, if we got Correa, great, that's awesome. But if we, you know, it was a consolation. We still had Eddie Escobar. We were going to have Brett Beatty and we're going to have um, Mark Vientos. My concern now is just really trying to get another bat, which I know, you know, Correa was going to play third, but we still need that other bat. And so. I've heard names thrown around like Andrew McCutcheon, Adam Duvall, and Trey Mancini. I think if we're able to get one more bat, this team is truly complete. And I also saw, too, that we're probably going to get um, Zach Britton and really really kind of move for that for that final left-handed uh, relief pitcher. So that's what I have to say about that. The Mets are still going to be in a good spot, you know, uh, Screw what all the you know the, the Frank Flemings of the world have to say. I think the <laughs> Mets are still are still pretty good. And don't worry, we will not have likely Darren Ruff on that roster at the, yeah. before opening day. Yep. All right. So that's kind of all we wanted to get out today. Uh, a lot of stuff happening in Jets land, but we're not going to be seeing a lot of much other information uh, or news about the Jets while the playoffs are going on. We're really just looking forward to the draft at this point. Um, and with the Mets, I mean, pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting pretty soon. We got the World Baseball Classic coming up, which I know a good amount of Mets are going to be playing in. Uh, you know, I know you, me and Jason are going to be checking out Pete Alonso in the Group C stage uh in at chase field in phoenix so that'll be a lot of fun um but if i just wanted to say uh one little regret it was really just uh i guess really putting my faith into into that correa deal i really thought it was going to come through i was really imagining you know a walk off against the yankees in the world series that he was he was so good at doing against the yankees uh in the playoffs uh so i i was hoping that he'd be able to do that in a mets uniform i don't know if you had any regrets uh to to leave the show with steve my my regret is probably putting a lot of faith into um you know michael floor and the jets in those last two games being able to really kind of get it done and give us that hope that we yeah, will be I able to we, finish i think we really thought that it was going to happen this year yeah. we really drank that we were, didn't we we really 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 drank the kool-aid um but you know what um, I'm, I'm still, I'm still one of those ridiculous Jets fans. I'm going to believe in it no matter what. We are always the off-season champions, and we will continue <laughs> to be the off-season champions. So I'm really hoping that they get the players that we want. But after that, to my mentality is, let's see what you can do on the field. Um, that being said, that's it. Let's go Jets. Let's go Mets. Let's go Jets. Let's go Mets. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully Jason's back from his uh, his vacation. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everyone.